Good morning. It's good to see each of you out here today. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church. If you're here all the time, welcome back. If you're here for your first time and maybe you have never been in church or maybe you've came back to church after a long time, we want you to know we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. And that is to know the peace and the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we have been worshiping. Let's give God praise for all that he has done in our lives. getting to worship him today. So last week I started a new series of messages on Father's Day, particularly pointing to men and talking to men. And ladies, I want to say to you, keep your man here and all and have him here each week because it's going to be a help to him. It'll be a help to you and your relationship with him. And ladies, if you're here and you're single and you're, you're, you're looking, okay, all the single ladies, all single. Anyway, you're looking uh, this is the kind of man that you're going to learn some lessons from this and the man that you need to look for. So that's very, very important. So as we started this series called Tough Man uh, and Tough Guys, you know, it's just so important that a lot of times we think we're really tough, but we need to be tough in the nature of being a godly man. And with that being said, I want to see if you men can outdo what they did in the first service. On the count of three, I want all the men to say, hoorah. One, two, three. Man, I tell you what, that's pretty close now. Man, sound like a good platoon of Marines to me. But anyway, when you think about a tough guy, we're looking at the story of Samson. Samson was set apart. Samson was chosen by God to get God's people out of bondage with the Philistines. And last week we learned that he was a Nazarite from his birth. A Nazarite vow consists of a person who never cuts their hair, they never touch anything dead, and they never do get drunk. That is a Nazarite vow. And the thing that we learned overall about Samson last week, which is, happens a lot of time when it comes to men, when it comes to this, he had an incredibly tough, strong uh, as a person about him as a man, but he had a dangerously weak will. And that's what happens to a lot of men. We looked at three different attitudes that he had. First and foremost, he had this ideology of lust. I want it. And what he did, he pursued a Philistine woman, which was the wrong woman for him to be able to pursue and was forbidden for him to marry. He had this attitude of entitlement. That is, I deserve it. He, after he had killed a lion, later on he goes off the path is what we talked about and went over and stuck his hand in there to get some honey out of the carcass of a dead lion, which is gross, but yet he's touching something dead, but yet he thinks I deserve it. But another attitude he had was pride. He thinks I can handle it. That's another attitude that affected Samson that affects men. He wasn't to get drunk, but he throws a keg party before the wedding. So when we look at his life here, this man here this week, we're going to see some more vulnerabilities about him like happens to many men. You say, well, what is it? Samson was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. You say, what do you mean by that? Listen to me, Christian men. If you're a Christian man, you're a follower of Christ, I want you to lean in. If you're not yet, you can lean out, whatever, but you'll have the opportunity to become one. But listen to me, Christian men. We should always be Holy Spirit-driven Holy Spirit driven, never emotion driven. We're to be led of the Spirit of Almighty God. And as men, we don't like to think that we ourselves are emotional. 
Men and women are both emotional. We just process it differently. Women typically, after 25 years of ministry and counseling with women and doing that, women typically cry and they want to talk and they want to cry and they want to talk and cry and talk some more. That's just how God wired you. Men, different. You say, what do you mean? I'm not emotional. Sure you are. You're emotional because you act out your emotions. That's what most men do. They act it out. Now, let me ask this question here, men. And if you're a man, if you're here with your man, ladies, and he doesn't raise his hand, uh, you need to elbow him. I'll give you permission. All right? Okay, here's the question, man. How many times, men, have your emotions led you to do something you should not have done? I'll raise mine first. If a man didn't raise his hand, you are lying in the house of the Lord. Okay? So I went to my wife this week as I was studying this story and thinking through it, and I asked Shanda, I said, Shanda, I said, what is the, when it comes to me doing things that I shouldn't have done emotionally, which one was it that I did that was the worst? She said, oh, there's many. I'm serious. That was her response. I said, I know that, sister. I know it's a lot, but we began to talk about different things that I had done emotionally that was stupid because that's what men do. We act out our emotions. So the first time I went to Israel, our girls were still at home. They were, they were little. I came home after 10 days and Shannon proceeds to tell me that a car came by in front of the house real slow and I think it was on a couple different occasions. And even one time they pulled into the driveway, pulled down the driveway. And I think it may have been nighttime. Well, this scared Shanda, rightly so. You know what I'm saying? And um, so she begins to tell me about this. And it was really weird. Best she could tell a couple of guys in there. So after I got home, one particular night, it's about midnight. And I hear the crunching of gravel. We had a gravel driveway. And I look and I peek out the sash of the window and I see this car pull all the way down into our driveway. Well, what did I do? I was going to rise to the occasion. So I jump up real quick and I run in there and I run out to get the keys, run out, jump in the car. They had backed out by the time I got out there and drove down the road. So I jumped in the car. I started driving down the road where they were at. They were, went down and was turning around and coming back this way. So I pull a Dukes of Hazard and I'm going real fast toward them and I pull the emergency brake and I, slide, I slid sideways where they could not go around me. And I jumped out of the car and I went around and I said, what are you doing? There was these two teenage guys in the car and they proceeded to say, we're not doing nothing, sir. And I'm standing there in my whitey tighties. That's all I had on. Seriously. Could you imagine the look on these guys' faces of this crazy madman that jumps out of the car, nothing but his underwear on, asking them what they're doing? Think about that. So, with that being said, I don't know why, but we never saw them again. They never came back. I acted really ungodly. 
because I acted out of my emotions. Men, if you're honest, you've acted out of your emotions and did ungodly things instead of being led by the Holy Spirit of God. You've done something stupid. You said something stupid. Maybe there's been times you didn't apologize because of your pride. You don't want to blow up, but at times you do because you act out of emotions. I think the Apostle Paul, which wrote a lot of the New Testament Bible, nailed it when he wrote to the church at Rome in chapter 7 and verse 15. Look what he says. I really don't understand myself. For what I want to do, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. How many of you here, men and women alike, have done something that you hated that you've done? Raise your hand. I think everybody, if we're honest, we've all done something that we hate. So how do we rectify this? How do we make a difference in this? How do we go in the direction God wants us to go? Well, Paul nails it when he writes to the church at Galatia. Look what it says in chapter 5. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Last week, as we talked about Samson, I talked about how that this woman here that he wanted to marry, this Philistine woman, when he wanted to marry this Philistine woman, there's a problem. First and foremost, she is the enemy. She is a Philistine. Also, she worshiped false gods. The problem is with him, I want her, he said in the scripture. He didn't care what God thought. He didn't care what his father thought. So he's at a bachelor party stage at this moment. The wedding's about to go down. So here's this Philistine woman. They give him 30 Philistine guys to hang out with Samson at this time. So he's hanging out with these guys. And next thing you know, understanding they are people that that are God's enemies, he says, hey guys, I'm going to tell you a little riddle. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, he's basically wanting to have a battle of the wits. You understand what I'm saying with these guys? So everyone knows that men like to compete. Can you say amen, ladies? We like to compete all of the time. So he makes it kind of funny and he says this. He says, basically, I want to put a little wager on this situation here that I'm going to share with you. And you've got seven days. Basically, a wedding of the day then was a seven-day celebration. You've got seven days to figure this out. If I win, each of you have got to give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you win, then I've got to give you the 30 linen garments and got to be able to give you 30 sets of clothing. You know how dumb this wager is? Think about this. Just let's use some logic here. If they won, he had to come up with 30 sets of garments and linen clothing. You understand what I'm saying? If they won, each man just comes up with one set. Dumb. Everybody say dumb. Dumb. It was a dumb wager. So anyway, with that being said, and you're thinking about what he's done here, look what it says here in Judges 14 and 14. It says, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure out, figure it out. So the fourth day, What do the Philistine guys do? They don't want to. The scripture talks about we don't want to be made to be poor. We didn't come here really to be made fun of or be stupid. So they go and they threaten his wife and says, let me tell you what. 
you either get us what the answer to the riddle is, or we're going to burn you down and your father's house down. We're just going to basically kill you. That's what we're going to do. And so basically what she ends up doing is the strategy of a bride. The strategy of a bride. When in doubt, cry. Right, ladies? You say, what do you mean? You know how to work your man. Let's just be honest, okay? You know, if you want, if, you know, and if you're sad about something, the Bible tells us in this particular story that basically she said, you don't love me. As a matter of fact, you hate me. And she did this each day. The Bible says there that she cried about it. And pretty soon he gives in to the nagging the scripture says here and what the situation is. So what she ends up doing He caves in, Samson does. He tells her the secret to the riddle. Then to save her family, she goes and explains that to the Philistines. And look in verse 18 of Judges 14. So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? See, Samson here at this moment, he gets furious because they had told him the answer to the riddle. Understanding he had never told anyone, not even his father and mother, but his wife got him to tell her the answer. So he's embarrassed, he's upset, he gets really mad and angry, and then he makes this stupid statement. Check this out. Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Now, let me let you in on two things that you need to learn, men. First and foremost, men, don't let ever, ever let any man plow with your heifer, okay? Not a good thing. And also, men, most of all, don't you ever call your woman a heifer. That's not cool, okay? That's just not cool at all. So basically, when he said this statement, what it meant was, is that the Philistines have manipulated his wife. Samson is battling with his weakness that many of us men do. Samson reacted in the flesh instead of responding, being led of the Spirit of God. So what we're going to peer into here in this story, Samson falls victim to a couple of different emotions that hits most every man, if not all men. Two emotions that take tough guys down. And the first one is Samson burned with anger. You say, anger? Yes, anger. Look what it says here in Judges 14, beginning with the last part of 19. It says, he went down to the town of Ascalon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious. Everyone say furious. That's what you call some anger, right? Samson was furious about what had happened. And he went back home to live with his father and mother. Listen to this story now. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. Really? Look at what just happened. This Samson's wife is given away to his best man. That's Jerry Springer stuff. Right? I mean, how did this happen? Okay, the wedding celebration had already started. Samson loses his bet and Samson loses his cool. He goes and gets this. He kills 30 innocent men to get their clothing and hadn't even made it back to the wedding. So the father of the, of the bride is embarrassed. The wedding's going on. The guests are there. And so what does he do? He gives his daughter to the best man because she's of marrying age. Samson is already ticked off. He gets back and he finds out that his bride has been given away to the best man and he goes off angrier than ever. He's furious. 
then this is the part of the story that blows my mind. He goes out and how he does this, I don't know if he was a fox whisperer or what, but he goes out and gets 150 pair of, of foxes and he ties their tails together and then he puts a torch on it and he lights it and they run through all of the grain fields to destroy the harvest. The Philistines finds out that Samson did this and now they're furious. What did they do then? They killed the bride and the father burned them up. Wow. Samson's emotion-driven anger cost him, and it cost even the ones that he loved, as does it cost so many men when we act out of anger and we act out of emotion. Let me say to you, men, anger is a default emotion of ours. If you get embarrassed then it turns to anger. If you get hurt, it turns to anger. Somebody does something to you, you spout off on them on Facebook or on some kind of social platform. Or if something happens that doesn't even have anything to do with your kids, but you act out of emotion and you explode on your kids. Or something happens at work and you come home and next thing you know, you find yourself in a shouting match with your wife. What's there for Samson to be angry about? Think about it for a second. What is it for him to be angry about? Well, let's review. He went to a Philistine territory, which was enemy territory, and he goes to pursue the wrong woman. So he decides to marry the woman, ignoring his parents' advice. He taunted the Philistines with a riddle, and the, uh, he's the only one who knew the secret. Then he gives the secret away. He left his bride at the altar to go kill innocent men. He burned up their crops, their vineyards, and their olive grove with foxes with a torch on their tail. Samson's mad at the world, taking it out on everyone else like so many of us men do. You know who should we be mad at? We should be mad at ourselves. Because we're the ones that caused it. Maybe you're mad at your boss right now. But you you have undue reason to be mad at your boss. Because maybe you took a job that you knew that you were overqualified for. And had great things to be able to do above that job criteria. But yet you're mad because you're not getting any promotion. Think about it. Maybe it's a situation where that you are ticked off at your wife. Because you feel like your wife needs to give you more physical attention. Pound chicka pound now. But yet she's not. Because you have been one that's not listened to her. She needs emotional support. She needs to be able to listen for you to listen to her. And you haven't been meeting her emotional needs for months. Maybe you're mad at God because something's happened in your life and you can't believe that it's happening to you. And the truth is you're where you're at because you made some unwise decisions. And you're blaming God for it. Whatever the case may be, whatever it is, gentlemen, let me tell you something. It's time that you own it. You own it. And you say, what do you mean? Those things that's happened for whatever season that you're at in life right now, that's driven by my emotions, not led by the Holy Spirit of God. Let's rise up, gentlemen, and you may need to go and make some apologies. You might need to tell your kids you're sorry. You might need to make recompense where you blew up at your wife. Or you need to say, I'm sorry because of my frustrations and how I acted in that situation. Stop making excuses and own it. Go to someone and say, forgive me. I want to be a faithful man of God. Boy, it's quiet in here. Some of you men, you might be thinking, gentlemen, thinking, well, you don't understand, Pastor. 
You don't understand my situation. You're not in my shoes, Pastor. That's exactly right. But I think I walked in with a pair of shoes on today, too. I wear shoes, too. We've all had different situations that happens in our lives. If you're not careful, you end up living in the land of excuses. Let me tell you something about excuses. I want you to understand that excuses are nails to be used to build a house of failure. That's what it is. Stop making excuses. I don't know if you understand this, but 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. So I want to challenge you to own it. Look at the person next to you, no matter who it is, and say, own it. Listen, ladies, I want to talk to you just for a moment. If your man is humble enough to come and to, and he comes with the right spirit to you, and he asks you to forgive him for what he has done Don't be a jerk to him, no matter how many times he's done it before, because you're going to know whether he's coming to you with the right spirit or not. Listen to me. Receive it, embrace it, and love him. Lift him up toward God. Don't tear him down further by saying, well, you knew better. Don't do that. It takes courage for a man, I'm telling you, to say he's wrong. Are you with me? So you love him through that, and you lift him up to the Lord. So I'll tell you, what tears guys down is like Samson having that anger, rage, but also Samson was filled with pride. (laughs) Uh, Pride is just a bad thing. He's dealing with anger. He's dealing with pride. So look what Samson does. It says here in Judges 15, I mentioned it last week. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey and he picked it up and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. Understand that seems almost humanly impossible because it is humanly impossible. The reason he's able to do it was because of the power of God in Samson's life that he takes down a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. So God gets the credit here, right? God supernaturally gave him the strength. But look what happens to Samson here in in verse 16. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. Do you notice two words in there that refers to itself? I've, I've, twice he says it, what I've done. What is the first letter of the word I've? Shout it out. What is the center letter of the word sin? Shout it out. Anytime you let I get in the way, I will lead you towards sin, not holiness and righteousness being led of the Holy Spirit of God. What a cocky comment for Samson to say, I've killed a thousand men. This is one of the worst cases of pride I think you can read in Scripture. Look at me. Look at what I did. Look how tough I am. Look how strong I am. A man's pride, listen to him, is born out of his insecurities. Don't tell me, men, that you don't have insecurities because you do. Every man does. And then we act out of emotion and things go awry and then we're in a mess. And when we don't know who Jesus is and living in that personal relationship with him, pride is the first emotion that will rise up in your life and then take you down no matter what the situation is. Let me tell you something. God opposes the proud and he gives grace to those that are humble. Pride comes right before the... The fall. We want to prove ourselves, though, don't we? Then <laughs> the opposite of pride is just that time that we don't want to admit our weaknesses. We don't want anyone to know 
I, I, I don't want to receive no help. I, I don't know how to do that. We just want to stand up in that prideful attitude. We don't want to ask for directions. We just keep riding, keep driving. Too much pride. We want to win because we're proud. And if we don't win and we get angry and we get upset, amen, ladies? How many of you have ever saw, let me ask the ladies here for a second. Because men, you can, you can just hold out on this. I want to ask ladies. How many of you ladies have ever saw a man pitch a fit when they lost? Raise your hand. Wow, it's a bunch of you. Think about it. When they lost, they couldn't handle it. I was fishing with one of my buddies the other day. He hung a good small mouth. I mean a good, maybe five pounds. He was reeling it in. It come up to the top of the water, spit the bait out. We saw the fish, and he almost broke a $400 rod in the water. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> Why was that? Because it's a losing moment. When we lose, if we're not careful, we let that anger rise up in our lives. We want to be the main character in the story. We want to be in control. God will always be the main character. It's all about Him. It's never about us. Until we get that, life's not going to go so well for you, and you're going to be taken down. When we understand that, we won't be driven by our emotions, but we will be led by the Holy Spirit of God. You won't live for the approval of other people, but only the approval of Almighty God is who you will live for. And then, and only then, will you become who God created you to be. You'll be a man of integrity. You'll be a man having Christ's character. You'll be a man that has spiritual strength. You'll be a man who loves your bride as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. And some of you are thinking already, man, that sounds great, fine and good, and I'd love to be that man. But I've blew it. There's no recovery for what I've done. Oh, I got great news for you. Got great news for you. If you'll acknowledge, if you'll acknowledge your need for a holy God, your creator that spoke your life into existence, that ordered your steps before you ever breathed your first breath, this could be, listen to me, the greatest day of your life. So after this situation happened and he killed this thousand Philistines, Samson is in need. Samson's in need and he realizes it. And just like for you and I, if you'll let your need drive you to God, God will meet your deepest needs. He will do it. He will do it. It happened to Samson. Here he is. He's wore out. It's like, oh no, I'm public enemy number one. They have found out. I've killed all these Philistines. I'm in big trouble. He thinks his life's over. He thinks there's no hope. He's thirsty. He's thinking, I'm going to die. This is what happens to me. There's a shift in his life here. And my prayer is there may be a shift in your life, gentlemen, if this is where you're at. Listen to what it says in Judges 15, beginning with verse 18. Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord, You have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Do you notice the shift in the story here? You notice the shift that he's realizing his need? Do you notice he says, You have accomplished the victory? He shifted from I to you, God. 
Must I now die of thirst and fall on the hands of these pagans? So God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi. And Samson was revived as he drank. Then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out. And it is still in Lehi to this day. Men like Samson, when you return to God, your strength from God will return to you. That's what this is telling me here. That's what it's telling us. But it's not your strength, understanding it's God's strength. It's his strength and your weakness that he revives us. He makes you to be able to come back to life for to be who you were created to be, to make a difference, to be a leader, to be a man that lives with righteousness and holiness of Almighty God. Be the God man that God created you to be. Be that man of faith. When you let your deepest need drive you to God, then he can meet your deepest need, but it's he's the only one. And the good news is understanding that if you have the integrity and if you'll be honest and say, God, I have been driven by emotion. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. I don't want to be driven by anger. I don't want to be filled with pride or whatever it is. I want to be led of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. And if you will allow your deepest need, it will lead you to God and He will meet it. He will meet your deepest need. Then you can become everything that God wants you to be for you to be able to bring Him glory, honor, and praise that's what he wants to do the world is yet to see a man who gives himself to God with wholehearted surrender in order to do everything God created him to be it would be unreal of what could happen and I want to be that man and I want every one of you men to be that man would you stand with me as we pray Father, it's in your divine presence that we come right now. God, without your spirit, we are hopeless people leading our lives. Without your son Christ, we are, would be sinful beings without the hope of forgiveness. So today, in Jesus' name, as we come to you, I pray for every man, and not only every man, but every woman, boy, and girl, that right now, God, we allow your presence to come into our lives. The God that we allow you to do what only you can do. We allow you as we run to you in our hearts and our lives to meet our deepest need. We realize that we need your help. We need your power. We need your spirit. We need your forgiveness. We need to avail our lives to you to be everything you created us to be. Without you, we're nothing. So right now, God, I pray that you pour your spirit upon every heart here. Search every heart here. Make a difference in every heart here. And may each one be obedient to the call of the Spirit right now. As we continue praying right now for everyone here, many of you probably realize that you have been driven by emotion. You haven't been led by the Spirit of God. And, and, and why don't you just say to the Lord, Lord, I have been driven by emotion and anger or pride or whatever it is. I want to confess it to you, Lord. I want to ask you to forgive me, Lord. I need your help, Lord. I want to be led of your Spirit. I don't want us to gratify the sins of the flesh. I want to honor you. If that's you today, would you raise your hand in this auditorium? Say, that's, that's me today. I want to honor you, Lord. I don't, I don't want to be following the sins of the flesh. I want to be led of your Spirit. I don't want to be full of those things. 
I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. But would you pray? Heavenly Father, as we are all praying, God, search our hearts, God. Forgive us, God, when we have had the pride and anger in our lives, God. And when we've acted out of emotion and done things that we're ashamed of or things that we're not proud of or things that were stupid or said something stupid, oh God in heaven, forgive us, God. We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would help us. We want to follow your Holy Spirit. So we pray this today in Jesus' name. Give us strength, God. May we follow your Spirit's guidance in everything in our lives. Maybe you're here today and you don't even realize you're here because God wants you to be here. And you know that he's been knocking on your heart maybe for quite some time. Maybe you're back today in God's house or the first time it's God's house. And you feel the Spirit of the Lord convicting your heart, wanting to do something amazing in your life. And that amazing work in your life, he wants to come into your heart and he wants to save your soul. He wants to forgive you of your sins. Maybe that's you today, wherever you're at. Listen, don't push out the Spirit of God in your life. Embrace the Spirit of God in your life for you to become the man and the husband and the father, for you to become the woman and be able to become the mom and the wife, whatever it is. Don't miss this opportunity. If that's you and you've never asked and forgive you, that's why you're here, friend. You're not here to take up space and say, I've done a good deed and I went to church. You're here to do business with God. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with his son, Jesus. So if he's knocking on your heart, you know you have never asked him to be the Lord of your life. And he's wanting you to. Would you slip your hand up real high? Be proud of that. Take the courage. Say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my heart and life. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up. Say, I need to pray and ask God to be the Lord of my life. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just slip your hand up and say, yes, that's me. That's me. All right, would you? I wish I could pray your prayer for you, but I can't. It's your prayer of repentance that you can be in the center of God's will today. You can have salvation that Jesus' life's blood paid for your sins and mine. Those of you that lifted your hand and you need to ask him to be the Lord of your life, just tell him in your way, right where you're at, your altar where you're at. Say, Lord, I open my life to you. I open my heart to you today. I may not understand everything about your plan, but I believe it's truly you knocking on my heart. So I asked you to come in. I believe that you came and you lived and you died and you rose from my sins. I asked you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to make me new, Lord. I want to live for you, Lord. Fill me with your spirit of strength. I surrender my life to you. Save me. My life is yours. Now, if you've prayed that and you meant that as the Spirit's conviction has come into your life, the peace that passes any human understanding has filled your soul to overflowing. The joy, the peace of Almighty God. Angels are rejoicing in heaven. Thank Him for what He just done for you. That your name has just been written in His book in heaven. And as you thank Him, He's going to give you the leadership of the Spirit of God. You'll never be alone again, and He'll lead you as long as you follow. God, thank you.
what you've done. Those of you that lifted your hand, those of you that lifted your hand and you know you just received salvation of Christ for the first time, I want you to let us know that. You can do a couple of different things. You can come and see me at Next Steps across the coffee house. I have a brand new Bible for you if you don't have one to commemorate this day. You can fill out a card and uh, drop it in the offering. If you're in a hurry and you just don't, you're emotional, you don't feel like doing that right now, let us know that because your next step is baptism. We're going to be having a baptism at the lake on the last Sunday of August. We'd love to do that. The Lord just commemorated that just then. (laughs) Give him praise, the God of all creation. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the lives you're changing. And Lord, may we lift our lives to you. That you lead us, not our emotions, but only through the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people say, amen. Let's give him praise again, church. All right.